Welcome to the Grim Reader podcast, where we talk about books and bitch about things. That's not it. <laughs> it pretty much is. I've it left out the is. entire premise. <laughs> take two, but I'm going to take keep take one in as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so chaotic take two. This is a podcast. <laughs> it is. That is a fact. Full stop. This is a podcast where us three friends, is that correct? Oh yeah. my god, I'm overthinking this. <laughs> three of us basically each pick a book and we judge about its cover and then we review the book. The end. Well done. Well done. You got there eventually. Like, what was it? Like five takes? Is that? Um, well done. Well done, Nikki. <laughs> Can I? Oh, oh, PSA announcement. Um, so we basically wasted 30 minutes um, humming and hawing about not doing the podcast today because Chloe's internet was really bad. And we First of all, Nikki's laptop was really bad. First of all. <laughs> but that- Can we not have another Chloe roasting session? No, no, no. The 30 minutes began after we connected with my laptop. There was 30 minutes of, oh no, Chloe's internet isn't working. So the Chloe Welcome roast. back to the Chloe Roasting Show <laughs> with yeah, your hosts, re- Nikki Griffin and Rebecca Archie. We're just going <laughs> to rename the, the entire podcast. Mm-hmm. The Roasting Nikki. <laughs> no, the Roasting Chloe <laughs> Show. Oh, no. <laughs> Bitch, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but we, um, I teach online on Zoom since March uh, full time. And I figured out, no, I don't know the science, that if you have like a Bluetooth speaker or a Bluetooth like watch or anything near kind of dodgy internet connection, um, try and disconnect that first. Uh, just turn off your Bluetooth and I guarantee it'll work. It's amazing. What is the science? We don't know. So we don't need, I have, we don't need to know. We don't need to know. We don't. Because I have AirPods in right now and they're connected by Bluetooth, so. Society functions on us assuming that other people know how things work. So I'm happy to go with it. That's very true. (laughs) So if you know anything about technology, write to us. We won't understand what you're talking about, but we'll appreciate it. Explain to three idiots what Bluetooth is. So explain this to me as if you're explaining it to a (laughs) five-year-old. I'd go even younger. I'd say to a two-year-old. Is that to me specifically? Okay. <laughs> I was talking about my own lack of technological skills. <laughs> I'm on edge now, lads. <laughs> she's so like, I, she's I, ready. In, in my head, I was like, must not roast Chloe this episode. <laughs> it, it's gotten really bad. I've even been roasting her in the group chat since. Like when we put in our books uh, that we were going to do in this episode, I was like tagging her in the <laughs> In it, I was like, I'm not. Sure that is deserved. That is deserved. Not <laughs> yeah. appreciated, but deserved. Um, and I will continue to do so every week now. When we're recording, Made my bed. Yeah. So uh, play in no. it, beach. Uh, so no roasting. Hopefully, over for for Chloe today. So but far. see, you say roasting. I say bullying. <laughs> I think we're kind of mean. Every group has the bully and the bully E. Except we have two bullies and one very unfortunate bully E. I'm not sure when this dynamic came around, but it did. 
Oh, it came when you broke our one rule. Oh, guys, can we talk about um the misery that is lockdown? Is this lockdown four? I'm losing count. Lockdown three, isn't it? It's lockdown oh. three. Yeah, but like there's been like iterations of lockdown. So I'm going to say if we add it up, it's probably a 4.5. This is the worst lockdown. Yeah, like this tough. one is like the most grim. Like seeing like 7,900 cases in Ireland yesterday. It's not cute. It's not a good look. No. Um, like... But I mean, I think we all knew it was coming, you know, when we saw everyone before Christmas. Well, I didn't see people, but like when you saw people out and photos and things like that, you're like, no. I didn't see it going this bad this quickly. Yeah, exactly. Because like, we've never well, like, seen anything like this. I think with the new strains as well, do you know, they're a lot more um, transmissive, apparently. They're only blaming 25% of the numbers on the new strain, though. Which I don't know how, like, I don't get that. Like, that's... Mm. It's really all I, scary. All I can say is, oof, that vaccine into my veins. <laughs> I, like, I famously lick. hate needles, but I will take it in my eyes live on TV. <laughs> I'm going to lick it off the floor. <laughs> like, um. Don't get it into me. <laughs> Yesterday was the worst day I've ever owned a mobile phone for like the news yesterday was too much like everything yeah. was too much oh god yeah i chose yesterday um to be my day of rest and relaxation if you will um and i decided to turn off all notifications on my phone I, and i have no resolve whatsoever so like look i was still on the timeline all day let's be real <laughs> but i went for a big long walk to clear my head i exercised I did other things that are like good for your mental health. And then the news broke last night of Capitol Hill being a coup in, at the Capitol. So that was that was fun. Then I was glued to Sky News all night. I was literally refreshing my phone every minute. It's, it's just, it's the grimmest thing I can imagine. Like refreshing your phone so and seeing a picture, like refreshing your phone and seeing a picture of an actual Nazi flag in the capital in the US like that no one wanted that no like it's it's no, crazy it looks photoshopped it's scary real it's what is happening I think and this has always been there like you know as long as the US has been around but like there's never been a time even like during previous awful presidencies like George W Bush like you never saw such outward disgusting levels of white supremacy oh my god i know and there's like what whoa it's been unleashed yeah there's been there's videos of like it's weird like how did they get in there's like videos of like police practically letting people in the gates yeah um like, what i uh what i like really disgusted me was that like they were trying to like talk to them and calm them down and you're like uh, hi, uh, when there was Black Lives Matters protests and all that, that were peaceful, like 93% of them were apparently peaceful. Um, and like, it wasn't the Black Lives Matters protesters that caused any sort of disruption. It was actually like looters and all that, that like just turned off. And then in comparison, you know, like they were tear gassed, there was rubber bullets fired at them. There was 
lots of violence and they didn't instigate it. And then you compare it to them, like you see security guards and all that. Like, yes, there is the images of them pulling out their guns and that, but a lot of them, they're just trying to talk to them and calm them down. Like um, when when did so we when did good policing start? <laughs> um, it's it's just disgusting. We have a side by side of Donald Trump tweeting like back in June, like um, the shooting starts when the looting starts, and then fast forward to today where it's like we love you, you're special. Just go home now. We'll talk you in. Go like, home, but you're right. You should be so angry, but do go home. Yeah, like it's it's just it's disgusting what he said, and like looking today at like the response from other worlds and like it's just disgusting, do you know? Um, like it really, really is absolutely disgusting seeing it, and you're there kind of going like, you're a nation that prides itself on democracy, and you're literally just trying to dismantle it yourselves. Like, there's four people dead after that um that coup and four staffers have resigned i i would not want to be in the state at the moment um and my heart goes out to people over there that have to live through the situation i know like Imagine i i went like being a reasonable person i went on twitter to see what was what were what was trending and it's like everything is like um capital um like trending trending worldwide the capital um the us trump and then it's like trending in ireland pog champ <laughs> oh i will say apparently um there's an irish reporter for cnn and apparently like he's been like told like Joni something did, yeah, yeah. Joni o'sullivan he did an amazing Joni job O'Sullivan. yeah and i really need to watch apparently it was brilliant and like the tweet that like people were putting out about him from Ireland and like he saw them and he was like oh I really appreciate all the love from Ireland and all this kind of stuff but he sounds amazing he was part of a team for CNN I think that uncovered um these online campaigns that were linked with uh Russia during the presidential election back in 2016 and all that and yeah he was just there like telling uh like facing the camera apparently last night saying like oh they're like idiots and like this is like insane they're crazy and like they're standing right beside him and you're like good on you you beautiful legend. Irish man <laughs> you legend um, that made me laugh and it was like Donio O'Sullivan has seen worse coming out of a Carla nightclub <laughs> <laughs> oh genie Mac but yeah um, just oh you know it, your one you know Caitlin Bennett that girl with the with the horse hair well, <laughs> that's guns <laughs> Oh, have you ever heard of her? I have, yeah. yes. Sadly. Yeah. Um, Pee Pee Poo Poo, isn't that her name? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she tweeted last night, and I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. That's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. And then this bitch back yeah. during the Black back during the Black Lives Matter protest had tweeted, getting violent, crying and throwing temper tantrums isn't how adults resolve conflicts. It's what children do when they don't get what they want. Fuck, like, get in the bin. <laughs> pee, pee, Throw them all in the bin. 
oh could there be worse people on oh my god i was livid like i'm sorry but that's the way it wasn't a rigged election and then like all these conspiracy theories and literally they're fanning the flames over there you know like i hope to god he he is impeached um yeah before this he has Q-Anon, to leave office this QAnon conspiracy thing is absolutely frightening like i firsthand like chloe we've firsthand seen like it we've seen people go down this hole and i've seen a lot of people go down the QAnon hole and kind of you know because it starts like oh like birds are fake <laughs> like they love conspiracies they're so good and it starts really cool and then you get into like is the moon real <laughs> it's the moon landing real it's what i'm supposed to say and then you it just gets it twists you over to this absolute right-wing nonsense like they really win it's really scary how it's happening it's terrifying to be honest how easily people are getting hooked but um in like as if yesterday couldn't have been a worse news day i i opened twitter and discovered um a tweet that said that kanye west and known racist jeffrey star have had an affair <laughs> we will now refer to him as Voldemort as we rip the shit out of this man <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I would say like, um, when we were taking down notes of what we were covering, I was like, I'm not referring to him by his name. Mm, sorry. I'm, I'm Voldemort. not. It's, it's Voldemort. It's who must not be named. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's an evil man and I can't. <clears throat> an evil, angry man. Yeah. And like this, like when that was like the straw that broke the camel's back yesterday, it was like 8,000 cases in Ireland leaving certs are immune to covid for some reason if they go to school for three days a week um america is broken also kanye and jeffrey i was like that's too much for me it's too much i like i was sitting in my room alone and audibly i was like no (laughs) i couldn't deal with it i had like a breakdown on instagram over like this can't be happening and it is like it is on rumor mill and people are saying it's fake and whatever but then i got like into the theory itself and i have some some evidence oh so so it goes that jeffrey and kim and kanye have been living in calabasas and they're actually quite close to each other now like la is like absolutely like bigger than i can ever imagine so i don't know how close but apparently people are saying they lived close by and then as the divorce kind of as they separated this year kanye moved to wyoming on the ranch that him and kim own and then in august jeffrey moved to wyoming and is apparently in like the same proximity that he used to be with kanye back in calabasas so like hmm, things that make you go hmm (laughs) it's nice to have something really absolutely stupid to focus on the thing is, though, he's going to love this. Like, he's just going to be like, oh, attention, boom. And you're like, ew. Um, like, no. Like, have some respect for Kanye and his marriage and, like, what Kim must be going through. And, like, just don't get involved. And, you know, 
he's just oh he's such a narcissist and he is and i hate have that like i'm getting such a kick out of this stupid drama but also i'm having these thoughts of like oh he must be loving that he's trending so it's kind of like enjoying the fire from a distance but hoping maybe that we start talking about his um racist past again and why is this man still on the internet <laughs> yeah it's just he he really does disgust me and that he has a platform and like diehard fans um oh, scary fans like i'm sorry how can you support that but then again seven million followers take three of introducing this book because my audio is messed up woo uh so we've got me guessing for chloe's book um so she's chosen rodham a novel by curtis sittenfeld um who is a new york times best-selling author of prep and american wife is the audio okay yes perfect um so i'm going to assume that this is not a biography of hillary clinton because i know that is Hillary Clinton on the front. Um, I'm going to assume Nikki's, or is sorry, it? Chloe isn't giving anything. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. It is Hillary Clinton. Oh my gosh, Ooh. she's so pretty. Yeah, so this is a very young Hillary Rodham on the front. I'm going to assume that she's not married when this photo was taken. Um, it's very sepia toned. Um, yeah, she looks very young. So I'm going to say that this, it has to be fiction, I'm assuming. Because um, it'd be really weird if it's just a biography of Hillary Clinton. Um, <laughs> so it's like, anyway, here's your girl, Hillary. Uh, here's your girl, Hillary. Um, so I'm going to say... Met Bill. <laughs> um, I'm going to, um, let's see. Work of fiction about Hillary Clinton. Okay, I'm going to say that it's actually that she never met Bill and that this is telling the story of what her life would have been like. Is she best friends at Monica? <laughs> like, she so is. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say she never met Bill and she had a completely, like, different life. Um, do you know, she wouldn't go on to become First Lady, um, things like that, but she would have launched her own political career and been seen more at the forefront rather than as a support system for Bill Clinton, do you know? Because I think she was only at the forefront after his presidency ended, do you know? Um, And like, she is a great political mind. I don't agree with everything she says, but I just think, you know, because of, you know, blatant sexism in politics and that she's never really taken seriously or she's told she's an angry female and all this kind of stuff. So- nasty woman. Yeah. And uh, so I think this book is definitely delving into the idea of separating that um, relationship of being tied to Bill Clinton and kind of going from her college days and telling that story of like her getting elected for the first time to an office, Um, her political power, um, how her story might have been completely different. so yeah, it's hard. It's actually who's uh, the this love is... interest if she didn't marry Bill? I don't think there technically needs to be a love interest. That's the thing. Do you know? Well, like true, but also I'm kind of looking for like political scandal. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I'm I'm gonna say no. Uh, I I think with this kind of book, she in in her real life, I think she's so. Um, what's the word? 
she's always connected to Bill Clinton, you know, obviously they're married, mm-hmm. as is Michelle Obama to Barack Obama. And I think it's completely taking a completely different view of her altogether and not having her connected to a man and how her life would have been very different because of that. Queen. So Interesting. Um, so I have a theory that um, because I was roasted so badly for reading Exciting Times that Becca has actually read Rodham but did not want to say I it. I have not read Rodham. Oh, in a grim That is how exactly. dare you try to besmirch my name. Becca, that was... Is that what it's about? Spot on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> best friends with Monica. Okay, no, Nick, Nikki, that was your thought, and that was incorrect. <laughs> but yeah, that like I can't really fight you on that. Like that was pretty spot on. Really? Then, yeah. Okay. So it's in her own word, in, in Curtis Sittenfeld's own words, this book is a gimmick, but but it works. It's a good gimmick. Um, it is about um, Hillary Clinton's life had she not married Bill. So the, the book is split into three parts. So the first part of it deals with um, her going to um, law school. Um, she did her undergrad in Yale and her, um, and her um, law degree in Harvard Law School. Or is that the other way around? <laughs> Oops. I, I actually don't know. <laughs> um, but there she she meets the young Bill Clinton, who's a year behind her in college, and they fall in love, la da da. And I think the first part of this book is what divided critics so much. This book was very divisive. It was, the reception was very, very divided. Um, because the first part of it is is raunchy out. It's uh like they <laughs> going into too much detail there's a lot of there's a lot of um entering <laughs> I believe is what they, they she describes it as um but um yeah it's saucy and it's it's very well written so yeah I really enjoyed it but like the, you, you do have to remove yourself a certain amount because these are two living people who I have not thought of previously in a sexual manner. <laughs> Wait, so she, who is this? So Hillary Clinton and Bill are dating. Um, oh, okay. In the, at the beginning of the book. Um, and then the book, the path kind of divert. It's just a fictionalized account of real life, basically at the beginning. Like it still follows most of, you know, their their early years together. And then they they part ways and it goes on to document her own political career but it the way it does so is obviously it's really interesting that like she's not connected to Bill Clinton um during her career like it's just kind of a thing that's brought up in interviews um mm-hmm. as a bit of kind of gossipy fodder but first how they break up is interesting it's um it all rings quite true in the current times we live in um, Monica there, there's there's more than us it's not Monica herself but there is more than a smattering of stuff that is relevant to the Me Too movement um so Ooh. this book deals really what I love about it is that like yeah it, it's kind of a fictionalized political account but like it deals with like sexual assault misogyny um and like race and privilege in a really interesting way like there's there's one character in it from the very beginning 
um, who's a prominent black activist, um, like kind of moving in the Harvard circles and just how her relationship with Hillary evolves over Hillary's entire career, which I think is probably one of the most important storylines in the whole book. Um, Because you're seeing someone's star rising, but the kind of inevitability of abandoning your beliefs as you become more successful in politics. Mm. Um, it's 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 great and like it what I love about it as well is that it 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 just feels very very true to true to life as well that like the misogyny is still there it's not we're not getting like you know the crooked Hillary nasty woman thing in those exact words but we're still hearing you know that she's unlikable and that she's cold and matronly and things like that and you know the little elements that you know she goes to see a voice coach so she can make her voice softer and nicer that she's not so you know in inverted commas shrill um Mm. I, I really liked how I dealt with that and also how you know without giving too much away how things become like buzzfeed meme fodder um just how you know like serious political events can can be boiled down to a listicle on BuzzFeed. Is that like Theresa May dancing to ABBA? Exactly, exactly. We, we, we take like these kind of important political moments out of out of all context and we we don't focus on the big issue, we focus on the dancing to ABBA or the I'm trying to think of another example, just just kind of meaningless things um but it, it just handles things so well and we see um the bold trump in it as well he makes a an appearance in one of the best written cameos <laughs> i've ever read <laughs> she, she nails it she it, it's it's perfect he is perfectly written and what i like about it as well is that it isn't it's not unsympathetic to hillary like i think it, i think it's a very kind of you know very neutral approach to Hillary Clinton like as in it's not obvious from the text whether Curtis Sittenfeld is a Hillary supporter or a Bill supporter but I think it does lean one way more than the other um but yeah no it's it's a very interesting examination of someone of a couple's relationship and how things move and shake in politics Mm. interesting it's a it's a very interesting take especially she is a very divisive person do you know exactly Um, yeah it shows the behind yeah um but to take that while she's still alive they're both still alive it's brave it's very brave like you do you know you don't know has this author gotten into any trouble yeah, um, it's. I don't think, she, from what I gather, she hasn't gotten in trouble for it per se. I don't think it's been acknowledged, um, very much. But just critically, it has been picked up on that. Like people think it's ridiculous to be, you know, um, writing about two public figures who still are very much alive, um, in ways that aren't necessarily flattering at all times, um, yeah. and just to write, it's the sex stuff that like got people's backs up it is weird it is quite it's it's kind of almost as in like did you need to write that do you know um well written it's good I mean like humanize them exactly at the beginning of the book I thought I was like why did this have to be about the Clintons this could have been about like any like anyone but then as you Mm. go on you're like no this book couldn't have been about just anyone you need the you need the prior knowledge like and it works really really well I think Mm -hmm. I think um I think 
the including something as kind of awkward and kind of uncomfortable as sex in in like a character can make the book kind of really real like I saw someone before on Twitter and they were like we all have leaky holes (laughs) 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 I'm about to get us cancelled for real but kind of having having to read someone's most awkward kind of like I don't want to read these moments it kind of grounds them as uh like much more than kind of this untouchable character Curtis Sittenfeld is a very good writer and I did want to be reading it (laughs) (laughs) Queen it's it's well written like once it's the only thing that's really jarring about it is that you're like oh my god I'm reading about Bill Clinton hoofing it into someone. <laughs> oh no, don't describe it as that. Oh jeez, I'm gonna have nightmares. <laughs> oh Christ. Like that's the only uncomfortable bit. Other than that, it's it, like it's not super graphic, it's well written, it's quite tasteful, it's funny and kind of romantic and nice. I'm watching Rebecca just disintegrate on screen. <laughs> um no, I think it's just the description that Chloe used, like that hoofing was it into someone stuff. like <laughs> Uh, I don't know I mean I I do agree with your point it can humanize them do you know and kind of showing like a basic level of their relationship as well do you know that is a very important part of a relationship Mm. um but yeah just I think it would make people uncomfortable obviously it's definitely uncomfortable but like I I just think it's so well written but but this is definitely the part that critics have an issue with like it is uncomfortable to read about two living public figures who we do know a lot about you know and they're like if you're reading a book about any fictional characters you'd be like this is funny this is sweet oh my god I'm kind of living it's very good like it there are bits of it that I don't necessarily like and that I just think kind of are drawn out for too long but I I, st- I think it's it's a really really good book um, and I would I'd give it a solid four out of five um, a very solid maybe even four and a half um, um, I, I'm not sure I'd read it I don't know um, I think it'd be interesting to look at her life when Bill's not there but I'm just uncomfortable that she's still living do you know exactly and like I look I know as much as kind of the next person about Hillary Clinton and that's say I know what's in the media I don't know a huge amount about her yeah, life yeah. before that I knew like you know she was super successful in um uh, in her undergrad years um and she was very very progressive um but I am also like oh she's a warmonger yeah <laughs> uh, it, it just it just makes me uncomfortable because I know like there's one thing reading articles written on her and mm. you know um whether they be positive or negative or whatever and critiquing but then and then there's another of like reading a biography written on her or something like that where sometimes they can be very unbiased and all that but then it's completely different to then read a fictionalized version of her life yeah and the the lines get blurred between what is real and what is fake especially in the first act of the book where where there there are a huge amount of parallels to how her early life actually was mm. um but yeah no it's it's a very very enjoyable book yeah 
interesting it, it it does sound like a really really interesting book um so and I, no i'm just going to confirm i did not read it <laughs> it was just so spot on everything that came out of your mouth i was like wow yes um i i took that purely from her having her maiden name on it do you know um, exactly no that good inference skills pinkle i didn't um, even know it was hillary <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um so just lovely <laughs> <laughs> um, well done there <laughs> I um, think I don't know what I read it but not for that reason it's almost like I don't know there's something in me that doesn't like biographies and I don't know I don't know what's there's something that's like mm, I don't know that was not like a biography me. though I know uh, there's something in it that is like I don't have a point here. My my instinct is, hmm. I, I don't, I wouldn't have picked it up on the shelf of Bookshop. But now yeah. I'm intrigued and I want to read it. I only started reading, because I had heard about it and I was like, oh, weird premise, sounds gimmicky, not into it. Um, And then John started reading it and I was like, oh, this sounds good. I'm going to read it. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at now. Cause, because you've made it sound good to me. Whereas the premise of it, I would never pick that up. Mm-hmm. But I almost forget now having read that and like becoming quite attached to Hillary's character in a lot of ways that, you know, she's actually a real person. <laughs> I'm like, she is a literary character. Do you think it makes you like, kind of want to like Hillary, the real Hillary more? I don't, like, in ways, like, I, I think it's sympathetic to a degree, but not super sympathetic. But do you remember, it's a fictionalized version of her as well. Exactly, mm-hmm. but a lot of it does still kind of ring, ring true to ring the core of how she's perceived. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that's what I mean. Like when you read this, kind of knowing it's fictionalized, I wonder would it like distort your view on her anyway? Like would you it kind does. of naturally be you'd be more sympathetic to her? There's no doubt. There's elements of her that I'd be more sympathetic to. Like it does deal with like problematic things about her, like you know, blissful ignorance most of all without giving mm-hmm. too much um it kind of reminds me of you know the ryan murphy oj trial um the way marcia clark comes across in like you know like they do like the witness or the the jury kind of uh an- analysis and like how marcia comes across and like it's that same thing of a woman in power she's unlikable what? she's cold and you feel immediately angry for her. But no. then what, what the Ryan Murphy OJ show does really well is they also show that like Marsha really doesn't understand any perspective from the black community like at all. And that's the thing that in this book, like she's definitely not made out to be a perfect character, but it definitely just gives you more of an understanding of like how the, how women in power are treated in the media and how uncomfortable we are still with you know women in positions of power and Mm, with women in power it's kind of hard to know like how much of it is nurture Mm -hmm. like when someone like Hillary is now like how much of that is has been molded because of what she's had to put up with as being a woman in power and how much of it is her heart anymore you know exactly weird yeah Yeah, it's uncomfortable but like 
yeah I, I, things are picked up on like you know um her attitude towards having children is drawn on um in a way that doesn't parallel real life um and just god we we treat women so badly <laughs> we do yeah well she, oh, they also need to be held accountable and they're not just girl bosses because they're in power exactly <laughs> Um, with that, before we really, really incite a hatred for this podcast in the US, I think we should move on <laughs> <laughs> to, to the next book. Um, An email just in from Caitlin Bennett. Pee pee poo poo. So, Nikki, you're up next. Okay, I've got to send in a photo. And we have I had have confirmation. To... Chloe has not read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I got to really quickly edit this because um, it's really annoying. Like on the book, it tells you exactly what it's about. So I'm just going <laughs> to scribble that out really quick. <laughs> like real quick, I'm just going to scribble that out. Or like I'm going to put an emoji on it. <laughs> it's really going to like ruin the vibe of the book. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm sticking an emoji on. Yeah, I love, I love how you're saying it's a bad idea. You're, you're still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not only is half of the cover covered in emojis, <laughs> it also looks like the photo was taken on a potato. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to explain this. Wait, is the quality really bad? It's not great. Oh, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. But it's the fact that it's I, had to, take... <coughs> okay, I, I had to work take. I Yeah, I had to take this picture from Google because I actually read this in the collection and um, I didn't have the original. Oh, OK. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. that and like, this book looks like, you know, you dug it out of a car boot sale. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It looks very it does unloved. Sound too promising for the plot. So let's get into it. <laughs> Go. Explain okay. what you're looking at. So, okay, I'm looking at a pretty old fashioned looking red book with the, the title of it is The Long Walk by Richard Bachman. Um, Bachman or is that a H or a K? Um, Bachman or Bachman? Um, oh, Bachman. Bachman, um, author of Rage. Okay. Um, and in the picture, we're looking at what looks like mili- a military member of the military. We're looking between their legs in a very like power stance. I see like it looks like two teenagers. One is standing, one is on their knees. Um, there's an army tank behind them, and the sky looks ominous. Okay, oh. so basically, this gives me Stranger Things vibes. Um, <laughs> it's oh. you're only saying Stranger Things vibes because I gave you this book. <laughs> First of all, yeah, I I, I need to this is all inference nikki's a stranger things stan um but also this is giving me like area 51 vibes so i Mm. think that these teenagers okay i need to factor in the long walk into this it looks like they're on a long walk it's like it looks like some kind of like tree-lined avenue but grim um okay Okay, so yeah, I'm going with the Stranger Things vibe. I think that the military person we see here is 
a member of the security staff at a, at a classified US military facility. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something to do with aliens or like MK Ultra E style testing. And these kids have a conspiracy. Something has happened in their lives. I'm just describing the plot of Stranger Things. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> is this set in Hawkins, Indiana? This is, it is actually, in fact. Um, is, is there a John Ralphio looking motherfucker babysitting some kids? <laughs> but something has happened in these two teens lives that has spurred them to go exploring but I think something has gone wrong along the way they've been caught because I'm seeing the number 47 on one of their chests on their t-shirt and I'm wondering is this just a design feature or is this them being numbered in much in the way that 11 in Stranger Things Uh, no, I, I don't know if I'm going to run with that because the army tank is behind them. It looks like they've been caught rotten. Um, and one oh. of them around, so they have been shot by the tank. I yeah, my my bottom line. <laughs> they, they got shot by not by the man by the tank. <laughs> guns don't kill people. <laughs> oh, tanks kill people with guns. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've been caught on trying to sneak onto this classified facility, uh, which is to do with aliens. Mm-hmm. And this is one particular soldier or or military security guard who has particular beef with these two teens because he knows them. He knows that they he's heard tell of these guys from other people in law enforcement in the area saying that they're always getting their noses and things they shouldn't be getting their noses oh. into. Um, I think they are caught and used by personnel for testing purposes, but they eventually escape. Ooh, escape! Girl, I love it. I, 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 as a Stranger Things fan, I would enjoy this story because it is <laughs> literally just Stranger Things. It is. Like, that's Will right there. <laughs> Repackaged car boot sales, Stranger Things. Yes, that is that is my, my, <laughs> my conclusion. Well, I got to tell you something very exciting about this book. Okay. First of all, it's actually written by Stephen King. Oh. Richard Bachman was an alias he used back in the at the 70s or the 80s or kind of spanning both. Girl, you've definitely told me that before. I have. I have. I love Now Richard that you Bachman say it, series. it is ringing a bell. And the reason, like, I love the reason he even had an alias is because he had so many stories that he was writing and he wanted to release that the publishing house told him, like, no, look, people can only handle one release a year. So Mm -hmm. you need to, like, you need to keep these. You are too uh, prolific. It is a problem. It is. So, but Stephen King really, really wanted people to read these stories. So he wrote, um... As, as the author Richard Bachman for a couple of years. And eventually people noticed the parallels between their writing and he was like, people know it's him now, obviously. And he came out and admitted it. Um, the reason I had to send you that really prude, like awfully photoshopped cover. Send is the because real cover. <laughs> I have the, the Bachman books collection by Stephen King. 
Um, and it's actually, I had it. It's worth a lot of money. I got it in Florida in a pawn shop and the book has since been taken from me. <laughs> but that's a story for not the podcast. Because <laughs> there's tea, bitch. But um, that book is uh, like the, the Bachman collection, the Bachman books. The particular um, book collection that I have is worth a lot of money because of the the book Rage, which is included, which it says at the bottom of this, Richard Bachman, author of Rage. Um, that's a banned book. Like that's been Ooh. like pulled from the shelves. Interesting. And I might get on I might get into that later. <laughs> but um, you now know that this is by Stephen King. So you're right, it's indeed very grim. One thing um, I got yay. Woo! <laughs> um, you noticed, I never noticed on the cover that the boys had, um, oh, I've lost my phone and now I can't see the cover. Okay, look, it's fine. I'm going to pull it up on my laptop. I never noticed on the cover that the boys had numbers on them. So it's totally um, irrelevant to the story is what you're saying. No, no, it's totally relevant. I just oh. never noticed it before until you said it. Um, the book, The Long Walk, is a real Hunger Games vibes. It is um, set in like the year three, the year 3000, kind of beyond there. And it's a totalitarian government regime. Um, they're 100% ruled by the army. It's really, it's a horrible horrible climate to be living in and our main character Garrity has been chosen to take part in the long walk which is like a televised um competition held every year by the government's ruler who's known as the major and it is a 450 mile walk that 100 teenage boys have to compete in um for all 50- I walk to school in the snow with my bare feet <laughs> um but it's it's for 51 states so there's a I don't know what the 51st state was I kind of wasn't I forgot that there was 51 so I wish I had that info but I don't (laughs) um but it's basically the story of Garrity who's been chosen to do this walk whose um dad was killed by the government because he really opposed the, the idea of this walk and it's his experience walking these 450 miles. So there's a lot of rules to this walk. Um, you're not a, like each person has this computer that follows them on the walk that shows 120 seconds. And if you slow down below four miles, this countdown starts um, uh. ticking down. So if you if you lose um, all the seconds on your countdown, then um, you are killed by the guards. You Why get a ticket. This remind me of Dougal in the milk truck in Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's way more grim. <laughs> just ask as well: Is this like is? getting to do the walk like prestigious or is it like you know you're a bad person you must do this walk prestigious they actually the weird thing is they have to apply for it um but it's really really prestigious and there's a prize and the major will like congratulate you and all this and it's it's a very very prestigious walk um but once once you're on the walk you can't quit so there's 
100 people on the walk, 99 people are going to be killed yeah. um, or are going to have died along the way. Now, this is a Stephen King book. It's especially grim. Um, there are really hard scenes in it. But to be honest, if you're reading Stephen King, you, you have to know that already, <laughs> that you're in for a big one. Mm-hmm. So like he describes every angle of what it is to walk like these 450 miles um, they kind of go into like how all the contestants kind of know you shouldn't be wearing runners on the walk. You should be wearing boots because you're going to get blisters from runners and you should be wearing well-worn boots to kind of Nick best age you. has never worn a pair of Doc Martens in his life. <laughs> you have to already have them previously broken in. <laughs> but um, like right from the get-go, you can see like they're kind of looking at someone's shoes and they kind of know how long they're going to last. Um. It, the book gets more and more gruesome. You're introduced to an awful lot of characters and there's some really, like some people he meets along the way that he becomes quite close with. And there's an, a dick called Gary, who's just the worst. And he's like kind of provoking people and like like almost tripping people over kind of a vibe. He's just the worst. And he's getting a kick out of like this horrible situation and seeing people around him dying. Um, you can't poop on the walk. You just gotta oh. gotta let it go. <laughs> if your shoelace comes undone, like you've got 120 seconds. Um, they do get meals on the walk and they can bring their own food, but anyone from the if anyone from the crowd helps them, they're gonna be killed. Um, there's like this horrible scene with a mother who's trying to like save her son because she knows he's not gonna last and she's killed. And like it is a hard book to read, but as is every Stephen King book. It's by far one of the the lighter <laughs> in the Stephen King repertoire, which says a lot. Um, and this book is like, it's, I read it when I was 14 originally and I adored it. I read it in one sitting. Uh, I thought it was amazing. The writing is so, like you're so in the story with all these people. And the very last line of the book is like the most gorgeous thing. It's just, it, it's so good. So the very last line without any, without giving you any spoilers is he somehow finds the strength to run. And when you read that in its final setting, it's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, punch. Yes. So good. But um, the one thing is, is this book, um, and again, it just comes with the Stephen King thing, is you're going to get a lot of edgelords who just, they live for this shit, like, you know, and yeah. you're going to get a lot of, like, annoying men trying to school you on how, like, this is the future, where it's like 1984 kind of a fandom. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, we, you know what I mean. The world. <laughs> so this book is great. I'd give it an 8 out of 10 after rereading it but on my first reading i was like 10 out of 10 best book ever and it would be one of my favorite i think it's my favorite story but i think i i think there's other stephen king books i like a little bit more that i have to give a 10 to but um it's really good and hunger games it's definitely been ripped off by the hunger games but he actually has another book in the in this collection of books called the running man and that is Hunger Games. Like, if this one is nearly Hunger Games, Running Man is Hunger Games. 
can you actually also just tell us a bit about rage yeah i'm very interested to see why that was pulled from shelves so rage is a book about a school shooting Uh, and it was written in the 80s and it's it the main character is this is the shooter so it's a really heavy difficult read it's very well done um but unfortunately um the there have been school shootings where uh one shooter had this book in his locker and where another shooter quoted this book on trial this actually sounds really familiar now that yeah. you've mentioned it i think in one of the previous school shootings i think stephen king came out yeah about this book that he wrote um yeah it just it's bringing back a lot of flashback memories yeah and he wrote this book in the 80s i think he um i think he actually pulled the book in the late 90s I, I'd love, I might, I look into this more and I might report back. I'd love to know if it was before Columbine that he pulled this yeah, book. When was Columbine actually? Um, Let me quickly Google. Should this only take a second? I'm going to um, say 94 is in my head, but I think it's after that. It's, it's, it's more recent than that. 99. Okay. So it's published. This book was, Rage was published in 1977. Well. Um, I'm just trying to see where the book censorship came in. Um, so he actually let it fall out of print. Um, or Columbine. I can't find when it went out of print. Hold up. Or end of publication Um, here. It went out of print in 1998 after a December 97 US school shooting. Okay. Because I think uh, I think he just let it fall out of print with the contract, so I'd say he had to wait. Um, and he has. Um, it says here that in two thousand and thirteen, King published a nonfiction anti firearms violence essay titled "Guns." So it's it's really sad. He's trying to take this book back, mm. and the thing is, is it doesn't. The book, after, like I read it back then when I did have this book, and it's not anything that would make you want to incite violence the same way when you read it you don't suddenly want to be pennywise and like kidnap children but it's it is like a a perspective into like this really twisted mind so it's it's very hard for a writer to know where that line is and i don't think i don't think stephen king did anything to cross it but unfortunately, it's been it's just been taken and used um, against him, really, and against. But we've seen that many times when very sick people have taken something and completely twisted it, like um, Hitler using music by Wagner. Now, Wagner wasn't an innocent man himself. Um, things like that you'll always find that people will take inspiration from something that might not have been written for that purpose and wasn't written for that purpose do you know but it speaks a lot if stephen king has kind of said no i'm taking this book back um and it sounds i i just remember i think seeing tweets that he put out saying that he was horrified to find out that oh that book, he was so upset do you know like and that must be one of the horrible yeah one of the most horrible um feelings to to feel like obviously he's not in any way responsible but Mm. to feel 
to feel like he is. And I think it goes to show how um, accredited a writer and like a humanitarian he is for the fact that it's not really held against him. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's he, done an awful he, lot of good. Pardon? Like he, I don't know a huge amount about Stephen King like and his own personal beliefs on him, but like just from his Twitter presence, like he seems like a, a good guy. <laughs> He is a good guy. I think he is anyway. I really, I, I really, I think his response to it is really heartfelt. And I think letting it fall out of the print was the right thing to do. Mm. I found a quote um, from, um, saying, I pulled it because in my judgment, it might be hurting people. And that made it the responsible thing to do. Yeah. However, someone and, responded saying, um, the actions of others are not in your control. I was once bitten by a rabbit, St. Bernard, but I don't blame you for writing Cujo. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> like to be honest, I think I think it was a good call for him. It's not one of his best books. The world isn't missing like an amazing amazing book, but um like I like I couldn't remember I really read it other than the fact that it was banned. Um I think it was a difficult call to make, but I think with someone like a catalog like Stephen King has, I think it was it was probably quite an immediate decision to make mm-hmm. when the tragedies happened um so if you like there are copies i know that you can read it online i think there are some ways of getting it but i just wouldn't recommend it i think it's it's fine i would recommend the bachman series which you can get now in the edited uh, edition and it's just it's excluding that book rage and um the Long Walk is by far my favorite um, story out of them, but The Running Man is really good as well. Um, so but I, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know why um, he wrote, like, I have questions on whether he wanted people to not link him to his book, kind of like J.K. Rowling and her whatever, Robert Galbraith, which she leaked, like, whatever. Um, I don't know if he wanted to hide his identity, but like every single Stephen King book is based in Maine. And <laughs> these, <laughs> the long walk takes place in Maine. Like it's very, <laughs> of course it, it does. has to be him. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's a great book. Um, eight out of 10 for the long walk. Um, really, really, really visual. And the pacing is perfect, which I don't say often is perfect. I actually I saw this in uh, Vibes and Scribes the last day and I went to pick it up because the colours I was like I recognise the title put it down (laughs) 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 but uh, I think mm, I've wanted I've wanted I this cover drew me in in the bookshop and I had to leave it there because I knew it was one of your books Mm. so I'm looking at there's no such thing as an easy job by Kiku. How do you pronounce it? Kikuko? Suma- I think it's um, Kikuko Sumara. I think Kikuko from, from what I was trying to look up. Um, but I couldn't really find um, an, I don't think an accurate pronunciation of her name. So I'm apologies if we have butchered it. Um, I did try. I think it's Kikuko. Yeah. Kikuko or something like that. Um, mm. from, but yes. Mm. Okay, so the cover is um split between this kind of salmony pastel pink and this uh baby blue. 
and it's got it's separated by a desk with this woman just face down on the desk <laughs> and her laptop pushed to the side and i relate hard <laughs> there is feels. this is our life story there is no such thing as an easy job I kind of immediately have like an idea for this, but I think I'm going to stem it from like <laughs> how, how I'm feeling. <laughs> so I'm going to try, I'm going to try and insert a couple of differences. So the first or difference is I think the main character of this book, I think she was like a really gifted kid. He was really bright. All her school reports were amazing. This is where it's different by the way, because I can't relate. All her school <laughs> reports are... <laughs> amazing she is top class in everything even like from the age of five and she is constantly growing up being told by teachers that like oh my god you're you can you're brilliant you're really bright and I think at home there's quite a lot of pressure to kind of sustain that um that uh, academic kind of light um I think her parents are really motivated to keep her going and uh they kind of have her in a couple of hobbies like I think she does dancing and she's probably um like top of top of everything she does and I think she moves from hobby to hobby quite liberally I don't think she sticks at anything for a very long time because it is that there's not really a pressure there because it kind of seems like she can do it all um, but I think as she starts hitting her teenage years um, and school's getting a bit tougher, she has to kind of confine her time a bit more. She's still very much top of her class and breezing through the academia. But I think she's losing, she's kind of starting to stress about like what direction she, she should be going in. And while maybe the kids in dance class who weren't as good, but really enjoyed it, slowly made their way to being successful and kind of had a, a path laid out for them because they love to dance or they love to do this and it's a struggle but they're great whereas for her someone who has kind of always found things easy she's never really had to stick to anything so I think it's this impending doom of a gifted kid who is slowly losing momentum um, because they can't figure out what to work towards so I think the story starts and she's in her late 20s. She's finished college and she's working in a hospital and she hates it. And it's really stressful. Uh, she's good. She gets everything done, but she is miserable. And I think this book could be a jump to jump of different careers that she's trying and really someone who's just struggling to find their purpose. Uh, can you tell I just watched Soul by Pixar? <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. <laughs> so I think this book is, it's kind of the beginning of burnout. And I think... I, I'm not sure if it ends with something happy. I'm not sure if she finds her purpose exactly and if she finds the right career for her. Um, I think we could be watching a little bit of um of a breakdown, like an unraveling in this book. Um it, it's kind of gave... like his face right now. <laughs> I know I'm way off. 
<laughs> is that is are you finished your guess? Um, I think there's a love interest <laughs> <laughs> and an antagonist who's a dick. <laughs> no, I think so. I think that's me. Um, you're actually very close in in parts of it. You actually okay. are very close in parts of it. Um, this was actually one of my Christmas uh, books that I asked for. I had like a huge long list, and um, then on trips to Matinee's, I added to the list. So I added <laughs> to the list of books I have, which I'm not. It's not gonna. They're not gonna last me long with this lockdown. <laughs> um, but this book was published in 2020. It's by a Japanese author, which um, I was really interested by. I don't think I've ever read anything by a Japanese author. So um, this was a first for me. And um, yeah, so um, this book details the year in the life of our unnamed narrator um, after she quits, quits her job after developing burnout syndrome. Um, <gasps> yeah, hey, I'm on it. So you're yes. on, you're on the, you're on the, the, the cover yeah. kind of like the cover really does just give you that like, yeah, yeah, she, she, she's completely <laughs> just. Yeah, so it is a very interesting book. Um, I don't think it's actually in like the blurb covers her having asked for this like really easy job. But in it, the way she describes it is that she goes into her job recruiter and asks for the easiest job um, possible that will require like no reading, no writing, no thinking. And she describes it in the book as something like sitting all day in a chair overseeing the extraction of collagen for use in skincare products. <laughs> um, so like she just she wants something where she can just, I think, heal. Um, so each chapter, there's five chapters in the book. Each chapter deals with a different job that she takes. Um, she over... is job hopping. Yeah, she's job hopping. <laughs> um, so they're all you think it's going to be really repetitive. It's not. They're all like really unusual jobs. Um, like it's just like insane, like how different they are. So I wrote down what the jobs are. Like it's not really a, a giveaway um, for the book because okay, each experience can, when is we're very different. This, nine, who out of the three of us would be more most likely to take <laughs> these jobs? Yeah. Um, all right. So the first job is a surveillance job. Um, in a nondescript office, watching a novelist's every moment, um, looking for evidence that he is an unwishing accomplice in a criminal operation. Becca, <gasps> Becca yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's the first job. Um, okay, that's Becca. Second job. Um, second job, working for a local bus company in writing adverts for businesses to be played on a particular route. Hmm. <gasps> Me, I'm a marketing queen. Yeah, marketing queen, <laughs> Nikki. I love the bus. <laughs> when they're on time, yes, we like the bus. Um, we so stand. that's Nikki. Uh, third one is um, writing trivia for packaging um, on the back of rice crackers. That's me. <gasps> that's oh my god! Like without a doubt, <laughs> it's so funny that it went like Becca, Nikki, Chloe, like Sorry. without a doubt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fourth one is putting up posters um, in neighborhoods for um, like there's three posters there for like um, save water. Um, like I can't remember the other two, um, like things like that. So like positive messages. I'm going to um, say Nikki. Chloe, again. Like, 
Oh, me. Oh, my God. Am I an environmentalist? I would have said Chloe for that one. Just Interesting. I would have yeah, said I, Chloe I, because imagining Chloe walking around with a big stack of flyers near a nondescript location in Ireland so that I don't <laughs> dox her accidentally. Um, so, yeah. So that's fourth job. Definitely Chloe. And then fifth job is she joins a national parks main- maintenance crew to monitor the forest from a small hut. Parks and Rec. Oh, Rebecca, you were in. The... Yeah, I think I think it's Rebecca because she could just be in the small hut reading. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd just be there like I'm never leaving the hut. <laughs> this is my new home. The hut is my life. Um, so each chapter is very different. Um. And you're introduced to a whole different array of characters along the way. Um, and each job has some peculiar event that happens, um, which makes them enjoyable to read and that they're all very, very different. So like one of them, she's asked to spy on one of her colleagues um, by this um, like almost um, paranoid um, employer. Um, and uh, they think this coworker is able to control um, the fate of businesses in the area, <laughs> you know, by just writing like an advert for them, which is really weird. I think that gives away which job it is. Um, Marketing is powerful. Yeah. Um, then there's another one. My favorite one was when she deals with this uh, sinister organization that um, it really sounds like a cult in the book um, that preys upon the elderly. And they're called Lonely No More. That was my favorite chapter, I'd say, um, because like she's getting so involved and like they try to go undercover and things like that. It's it's like such a good chapter. Is it like a telemarketing scam? It's not. It's not. It's not like that. It's um, it's Lonely No More Club that like they're inviting people so that they're not lonely anymore. And it's a chance for them to talk. And but like as she goes into it like they're really pushy they like try to gain entry into these people's houses like there's this whole underlying thing of like are they taking money oh people leave their homes to join them like all this kind of stuff that goes on this sounds so cool yeah (laughs) that's the kind of book i would pick up in a bookshop like everything the cover like even what you're describing as like would 100% yeah it's it's really good um and then like i gravitated to it in vibes and scribes i was like oh no i reckon it's title go away (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even pick it up i was like oh (laughs) well done nikki um but yeah there's there's so many interesting things in in each job you know um and throughout it you see from the start of the book to the end of the book the journey the narrator goes on um like at the start you can tell she's exhausted she's really cynical um you know she just doesn't want to um really commit to a job and she's really weighing up her choices and she just has a very um, negative outlook on everything and just questioning why she's doing things and stuff like that so the first the first chapter is hard to to get through i don't think I was kind of humming and hawing about the book during the first chapter. Mm. Um, so I was kind of like, I, I don't know. Like I, I had different hopes for it. Um, but you can tell as the book goes on, like how much she suffered in her first job that she quit. Um, she was there for 14 years mm-hmm. and just how burnt out she is. And she's so afraid that it's going to happen again if she commits to another job. 
Um, so it's a commentary on kind of that. And as she goes through it, you know, if she enjoys the job and why she enjoys it. And she starts evaluating that of what made her like it. Um, and she stays in the different jobs for a different amount of time. You're never really told how long it is. Um, like there's one I was like, Jeannie Max, she must have been there for months with the amount of stuff she got done. Um, there is one chapter in particular that the job, um, she's so afraid that it's too much pressure for her and that she's living up to the high expectations of the person who was in this role before her. And she's just really worried about disappointing people and not living up to that standard. And it's really hard reading that as I think for anyone going into a job when you're filling in for someone or taking over as many of us do, and you're so worried that you're not good enough. Um, and it comes, it, she does deal with it really, really well. And um, she eventually quits that job um, because it's not good for her. She, her, her anxiety just goes through the roof and things like that. Um, guys not staying in jobs that destroy your mental health. Exactly. It is, it is kind of like that. You, you want her to leave that situation because it's not healthy for her. Um, and it's just, you know, she's so worried that this job is going to destroy her. Um, or each job will destroy her in some way. So she's so afraid to, to let herself go at all. Um, so it is, it is a really enjoyable book. Um, there are a few things maybe I'd critique and comment on a little bit. Um, the ending is a bit clunky. <laughs> I was so disappointed by the ending. Um, you find out what her previous job was at the end, which I really liked. You're get, kept guessing the whole way. Um, you don't know what her mm -hmm. background is at all um, the whole way through it. Um, sorry, that's my tummy rumbling if you he can hear it. <laughs> um, <laughs> love that for me. But um, yeah, the ending, I was kind of disappointed because I kind of hoped she'd go back to one of her other jobs. <laughs> I really wanted her to go back to the job with the, where the cult was. I was like, come on. I want them. her to scam old people. <laughs> I don't want her to scam old people. She doesn't work for the cult. Um, oh, okay. yeah, she works in a. Yeah. So I was like, I want her to fight the cult. I was so invested in that storyline. Um, but yeah, the, the ending, it's just kind of a bit clunky because it kind of pushes her into like, oh, she's recovered now from her burnout and um, she's kind of, it's it's just, she's returning to essential work really. And you're like, but it's, aren't you then dismissing all the other jobs she's she's done as not essential, do you know? They, they mm -hmm. gave other people joy in some facts or, you know, they were a source of connection um, for other people. That That's essential you know um mm -hmm. which i found that a bit kind of we need people in huts in the woods exactly you need a person in a hut in the woods because <laughs> that one into the woods and living in a hut all the time yeah that that one kind we of need boss marketing <laughs> um the one in the hut um it's a little bit kind of trying to be like is there something supernatural going on and like a logical person you're like no <laughs> <laughs> there is oh no i love i love a bit of supernatural drama I knew, yeah Actually, i knew you'd like that yeah um when you were saying the ending was bad just like have you ever read under the dome by stephen king no it's just the worst ending <laughs> it's like 600 pages of this fantastical world and then 20 pages left aliens <laughs> done <laughs> like why are 50 percent of books just ruined by the ending 
Yeah. Oh, it, it's I think we sad. need to give like a good ending disclaimer on books. Yeah. But is um, the ending good? <laughs> are you satisfied by the ending? Um, <laughs> with endings being said, after each job, a lot of loose ends are left. You know, and I understand why because she leaves. She can't resolve things like, "Ooh, she came in and saved the day." I understand that, but when you get so connected to what's going on in that particular job, it's so annoying when you're like, "No, I want her to stay and like see this through." Do you know? But it's you know, yeah, it's that really annoyed me. I was like, I really want to find out because I'm now really invested in this, and yeah, so um. That that kind of the leaving stories without knowing the ending is really hard, um, but it's part of that storyline. You know, if you leave mm -hmm. any job, you're not going to know what's going to happen afterwards. Do you know, um, so some of the situations are absolutely absurd. Do you know, um, this whole cult thing, it is absurd. You're kind of like, oh my god, but um, <laughs> it does make it more interesting. And the whole like supernatural, is there a ghost living in the forest or something? <laughs> that's kind of like and she views it as um a normal person would you know like this is absurd like i'm being silly and things like that it's so she is this monster he's really it's really Mothman. <laughs> it's always really... Mothman. Oh my God. <laughs> she's really relatable in that sense like she's having any one of our reactions to a situation do you know oh no um, me and chloe would would be like bitch it's Mothman. <laughs> that's why i said any normal person reaction <laughs> always looking for <laughs> um so it's it is Mothman believes in you Becca is not short on logic no um i'm just i love how i just power through i'm like nope <laughs> i'm not giving into this um so she is she's a wonderful narrator i actually really enjoyed her i think that's why i kept going through some of the particular chapter i didn't really enjoy because she is she's very witty um it's a very dry sense of humor as you're going through mm -hmm. it um and like it's just her inner workings of her mind is just great you know um the way she comments on things and things like that as she goes along i mean in the surveillance job she gets so interested in what your man is buying and this whole like commercialism and like consumerism it just <laughs> takes over and she ends up like copying him and she's like oh i know what i'm having for dinner now because he's having it and things like that and this inner commentary that goes on in her mind you're like yeah that's totally how i'd react do you know um so it is she's a she is a wonderful narrator um i don't think it's it's she's a bit older um i don't think you find out for a good few chapters she's 36 i think um yeah when you said she was in it for 14 years I was like oh yeah so she she's a bit older which is interesting um I think having someone that age you know switching jobs um you'd always imagine you know that stereotype that it's you know a young person hopping jobs or whatnot yeah I think it's really important to talk about um about being able you know like that your life isn't kind of defined by your 30s like my my stepdad and uh, my dad left his job um when he was in his 40s his mm. mid 40s he left his job and uh went back to college and it was the best thing he ever did yeah. and i think that should be so normalized like if you're unhappy just go and do what makes you happy it doesn't matter what I age think, you are i think there's this like impression that we've always been given that like once you have a job there you go 
you're there for life yeah you're and figured out until your pension <laughs> exactly and you're there kind of going like if it's not good for you if it's not healthy if it's a toxic environment and you're not happy if you're not happy like, in general you, you shouldn't be there do you know um go find something that you will enjoy it kind of yeah it kind of conveys the everyday struggle struggle of modern day life like it is a commentary on modern day workplaces mm -hmm. and um telling them from the point of view of many different people as well um you know like she idolizes some people for their work ethic um and things like that and doesn't understand how she they have that work ethic when she's she really doubts herself a lot which you really don't want her to because she does do a good job every job she goes into she, she does do it well do you know she doesn't slack mm -hmm. she you know and yet she doesn't see that quality in herself which is really upsetting you know um and her her emotions as she develops through the book it's it's a gradual thing it's just not a sudden click that she's kind of recovering or that um it is she the author does write it so well um but yeah i enjoyed the book um and when i was kind of doing research into it um apparently in japan it's more of a new thing that these casual jobs she refers to them as like part-time non-permanent employees mm -hmm. is a new thing so it's her kind of commenting on that as well which i found really interesting um do you know when i was in college i had a lot of part-time jobs along the way do you know and i think in our society we view them as normal do you know to have part-time jobs um mm -hmm. and kind of this her worry through it as well of having enough money and um beyond health insurance and things like that i think it's a common worry for many people and health insurance kind of, is a long but a long but unattainable dream away yeah it's 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 a very good commentary <laughs> on that um rebecca but, do we get health insurance for having a podcast no <laughs> do we get Mental paid plan. um no we don't we don't get paid um so yeah, it's it's a really enjoyable book. Um, so a note on the author, um, Kiko, oh, Kikoko Sumara, I'm so sorry for butchering your name. Uh, she's from Osaka in Japan. And um, her first job after college, it's um, she experienced workplace harassment. Now, I'm not sure what type of harassment, but apparently it was very bad. And she quit after 10 months um and retrained and apparently that's her inspiration of why she writes apparently she writes a lot about workplaces um especially from the viewpoint of young people um because 36 is still young do you know um she's won numerous um literary prizes in japan um and i think this one it's won some award anyway but it was translated by polly barton um and uh yeah it's just it's really cool i i enjoyed it the first chapter i found it difficult to get through some people might love it do you know this kind of surveillance thing um but it's kind of letting you into her world and the way her mind thinks and where she's at at that time um but yeah i got very invested in it um so yeah i enjoyed it drawn to like six different career paths at any given time this sounds very up my street <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's really interesting and um yeah i would i would recommend it um you know i'd probably give it a seven out of ten mm. 
what is unfortunate about this podcast is that now I have I'm creating a list of books that I want to read that I cannot talk about on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should have we'll come back though and have review episodes. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with that, uh, that is it for this episode, I think. Ooh, yes. Um, oh, my bye God. Bye wait, look us. at the velocity of this ponytail. They can't see that girl. It's a podcast. <laughs> um, when we think that we're a visual medium, we're not. <laughs> we're not, unfortunately. We're not. Um, well, no, fortunately, because I don't dress up for this. <laughs> I'm here I like a video no. for this. <laughs> we're going like, like, OK, so this is the, the outro now. If you would like us to have a podcast studio, then you need to send us lots of money. <laughs> if we're you would nine... like a visual medium. <laughs> we're and nine episodes in. So we can actually see each other in real life. <laughs> we're, we're nine episodes in and Nick is like, you need to send us lots of money. <laughs> we're nine episodes in and I'm already pleading with people to please help us kickstart our commune. <laughs> I need to see money my needs- friends. Money now. Money me need to get out right now. Um, and spend give your us money your on damn the... money. <laughs> God. Um, so yeah, uh, do follow us on Instagram and Twitter um, and stuff like that. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.